started back in 2013 at a tech stars company, left in 2014 to join a YC company. 2015, went to New York City, launched an agency, then joined a company, a VC firm called GrowthX in 2015, found a cool app called notifyapp.io, doing about 15 grand a month in revenue at the time. He basically bought it for 1x, uh, called EBITDA multiple on the first year revenue, somewhere between 100,000 bucks and a million dollars, but only had to put in about three grand of his own cash to do it. The rest, again, paid for it over time, seller financing. Uh, from there, 2015 or 2020 now, the company is doing, uh, caught 5,000 customers on the program paying between 19 and two grand per month. Overall, the business is doing caught $90,000 a month in SaaS revenue purely. It's about flat. This one company makes up about 60% of the total fork uh, team portfolio companies, which is essentially the entity Ryan has set up to buy other SaaS companies as he looks to scale and focus on something I love, profits. Nathan Latka here, guys. And if you're enjoying the podcast, remember there's a premium version with even more. You get early access to episodes. So you would have heard this almost four weeks ago. There's 1,500 searchable transcripts by data points like revenue greater than a million or located in the United States or bootstrap SaaS companies only. If you want to help out right now, head to gitlatka.com or check out the show notes for a link. Your support also helps us to continue to produce high quality shows in the future. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Ryan Culp. He's a marketer and self-taught developer, best known as founder of FOMO.com. He and his wife buy and grow small companies together at their micro-private equity fund called Fork Equity. Ryan's been traveling full-time for two years and writes a data-driven travel blog at rickshawlabs.com. All right, Ryan, you ready to take us to the top? Let's do it. All right. So, so you or the wife, who, own, who owns more uh, equity in the private equity fund? Who gets more carry? So we actually did 50-50, like the thing you're not supposed to ever yeah. do with an LLC, but we also did a will. So we have some like, like if she dies, I get it all. You know? Got it. Otherwise, it's shared. That's fair. Okay. So take this back to the beginning of this. So, so I, I consider you kind of just a hustler and you happen to be in B2B SaaS. Uh, and those are all obviously good things. What kind of got you into this in general? Maybe start with, did you launch your own SaaS company back in the day? Back in the day, I was a musician, and then I got into marketing at a tech stars company, and that kind of just got me in the, in the circle. So I started freelancing, I started doing agencies, I worked in venture capital, but always doing marketing, always on B2B products, and uh, getting into ownership was just sort of like, you know, innately I wanted to be an owner one day. I tried and failed multiple times with ventures, and starting from scratch, and then finally, a mix of two things happened. First was learning to program, which I'm still obviously doing. We're learning every day. And the second half of that was being in the right place at the right time, aka being lucky, and having the opportunity to acquire a product that was already working. And putting those two together in the last few years, I've been able to like achieve more or find my groove more than all the years before it when I was like on the employee side of the table, starting things from scratch and not being able to program. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the text marketing at the Techstars company. What year was that and which company? This was 2013, January 1st. I joined a company called ShuttleCloud. Uh, they're still around. They moved kind of to the enterprise. So I didn't think my marketing was, well, marketing doesn't make a dent in, in enterprise software. So I, I left that company and then jumped to a YC company called Keychain uh, Logistics. That was what year? San Francisco. Uh, that was 2014. Okay. Um, moved back to 2014, 15 to New York, started a marketing agency called Sprinkle Labs. Yep. We did a mix of, you know, product marketing, kind of whatever. When you're an agency, you just do whatever people pay you to do, to be honest. People always say, like, we're super focused on copywriting. It's like, no, you don't. You probably set up, like, Google Analytics for people if they ask, right? 
And then I moved back to San Francisco in 2015 to work in venture capital. While in venture capital, discovered which firm? Notify, uh, GrowthX, GrowthX.com, and uh, and then moved back to New York City in 2016, 2017. Okay, so 2017 moved to New York City. Sorry, what was the company you discovered at GrowthX? Uh, Notify, and it was NotifyApp.io, and it was uh-huh. a Shopify app that showed recent orders. We then took that, rebuilt it, and turned it into what's FOMO today. Okay, so so explain to me the cap table of FOMO. Did you? It was a GrowthX company that was struggling that you bought it and kind of rescued, or, or how did that all work? So I was doing the typical VC thing, just reaching out to cool companies around town that I thought might want to take investment, and the founder uh, said, "No, you know, actually." I'm not looking to raise, I'm looking to sell. Uh, I mentioned that to my buddy, Justin Mares, just kind of in passing sometime that week, like, oh, you know. Like Traction, Justin Mares? Yeah, Traction, Justin Mares. And he said, well, we should buy it. Um, So together we we bought it. I I mentioned this to the fund and they were interested in buying it as well. And then kind of having me run it and be an employee at the fund, uh, but couldn't figure out the numbers to make it really interesting. So just bought it as like a side project kept working full-time at the fund and eventually uh, went full-time. Full-time. So give, I mean, what did you pay for notify app back in the day? Uh, can I say not you can give me a, you can give me a range so you don't break any NDAs or anything. What's a range? Yeah. Six figures under okay. a million. Fair enough. Okay. And, got it. Uh, and we did it with seller side financing, which is a magic trick for all those who haven't tried it yet. Tell us how that uh, works. Sure. So seller side financing, it's, it's financing, which means you don't have all the cash up front. You pay it off over time, except the financing quote unquote, isn't cash injection that you receive from like a bank with an interest rate. It's uh, like a loan of equity that you receive directly from the seller. So if you're going to buy a company for a hundred thousand dollars and you get seller side financing, uh, maybe you pay them $10,000 a month for 10 months. But if it makes $10,000 a month, and you don't have an interest rate, well, in 10 months, the business is yours for essentially just your sweat, uh, as long as you kept it humming and didn't blow it up. So we did a structure like that uh, without interest, uh, without outside financiers. The monthly payments were similar to the, uh, the revenue. We were able to grow it just above board of our monthly uh, service payments. And then we introduced a clawback provision such that if two months went by and we didn't make payments, the seller would get 100% of the company back. And we did this for two reasons. A, we were young and fresh and like didn't have a- How old were, how old were you? Record. Oh, well, I suppose I was, I was 26. But by young, I mean, uh, I mean uh, no track record, right? Yeah. And so it's like saying, hey, you'll get the whole company back if we screw up at all was awesome because they would keep all the money, have someone like running it for free and then get it back. But the second reason we did the clawback was because we wanted 100% equity on day one. So I didn't want it to be like a mortgage where like every month I own 3% more in my house or something. I wanted hundred uh, percent of it right now so we can make all the decisions, not have the original seller have like voting rights or be on a board or anything like that. So we get hundred percent now and you get hundred percent later if we screw up. And obviously we, we didn't screw up. So, yep. Well, if there was a time when, when for whatever reason revenue dipped or something, you could pull into your personal finance and cover it if you still believe in the product. Yes. And actually that happened once, not because the product wasn't growing. We were just developing, putting a lot into product. I think at, I think we each put in, Justin and I put in like $1,500 one time, maybe month four, month seven, because we barely overspent on dev. So kind of silly, kind of a joke. And then 
when we wanted to rebrand it and rebuild it from scratch as FOMO, well, that's a lot more than like a maintenance work for dev. We needed, let's say, 50 grand to build that new MVP. So what did we do? We just got a Chase credit card, 12 months, 0% APR uh, interest. And I think we put like 70 or 80 Gs on that card. And then like month 10 of the, uh, of the accrual, we paid that off in full. So again, paid no interest and essentially did like a $80,000 raise with no interest in addition to the seller side finance. What did you provide Chase that enabled them to basically approve you for you know no interest, 80 grand on a credit card? That's a good question. I mean, we both had jobs and salaries. Like I think my, my venture salary was well into six figures at the time. So that combined with like history, I, I, although I didn't have a Chase account already, I wasn't banking with them personally. But yeah, it was like, I think we got approved for 90K uh, on yep. day one for the Chase like Inc. card. And so was it like, it was probably no interest for first 12 months, but then it was like ridiculous interest if you, after month 12? Either 16, 18, 20, 22, something like that. And it's actually not that bad. Yeah, I mean, it would have, yeah, I mean, look, if you paid off month 14 and then you pay $8,000, the difference between not making, not getting any dollars and paying 8K above is nothing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you did this, uh, you did this back in the Notify app. How did you know that Notify app was the right one to go after? I mean, you talked to hundreds of companies. Uh, I can't say I really knew, right? I had conviction, but that's not the same as knowledge. As a marketer, I looked at Notify and thought, this is a cool tool, right? That's like what marketers love to find, cool tools. And I looked at it, and when I saw it in action on a website, uh, serendipitously, Mm. I thought to myself, what is that I have to know? And that conviction, like that moment of being a marketer and being magnetized towards it, I just had a conviction that thousands of other marketers would feel similarly. And then you get to know the seller and you find out, well, they have like this many customers, not the thousands I think they could have. And then you calculate like the value of that gap and, and our propensity to, to get it there. So how many customers yeah, did no the company have much. when you guys bought it? Uh, maybe between 800 and a thousand, like okay. but they were paying like four bucks a month, seven bucks a month, eight bucks a month. Yep. Yep. But $4 a month was the minimum. Something like that. And there's probably yeah. people on like legacy lifetime free plans that I don't know about. I just don't run enough SQL. Yeah. I mean, just, just, I'm, I'm trying to quantify this. This thing was doing less than 10 grand a month in revenue when you bought it. No, it was actually around 15 K. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was a real business that was run by one person and he had a full-time job and he didn't want to go full-time on it. And so those were all decisions he had made before we, we spoke, which made it really serendipitous timing. He had thought about, should I quit my job? He had thought about, should I hire people? And he said, no, no, no but he was also killing himself till two in the morning every night to keep it humming. So it made a lot of sense. And, and again, the timing was right. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, some like good lessons I want to pull out here for a second. There's a lot of either buyers or founders or sellers, any side of this equation that mix up, you know, deal price and terms. They're two very different things. Uh, Ryan just gave a great example of how these are very different. I mean, I'm going to make an assumption here and we'll, we'll watch Ryan's face to judge it. He basically took over a company doing, call it, <laughs> call it 180,000 bucks in ARR for essentially 3K that they had to put in in one down month because they were investing extra. The rest, they basically paid the deal price off from profits that was somewhere between a hundred thousand bucks and a million bucks for the first 12 months. Ryan, basically correct, right? Yep. That's right. 
Yeah. So again, difference between, Hey, listen, we'll buy your company for, I'm going to, I don't know what this one is, but we'll buy your company say for 300 grand. But again, the payments are going to be structured in a way where it's actually very low risk to buyers, Ryan and Justin. It's a great way to obviously structure these deals. I'm surprised that I guess the founder agreed to this because he had a full-time gig. So this wasn't his full-time thing and it was killing him. He, he was losing sleep and killing him. Exactly. And that's why actually we named our fund fork equity and our tagline is uh, painless exits for founders at a fork in the road. Because I think when you hit 10 to 20 KMRR as a solo founder, like A, you're, you're crushing it, quote unquote, and by definition, you're in the top 1% earners, but B, you're at this inflection point where like to double again to 30 KMRR, you kind of need employees or you need to be like a total whiz with systems, low touch, automation, everything. Most people need to go the employee route. But once mm -hmm. you're at 15 KMRR and you hire even a couple part-time developer support, now you're down to like 5 KMRR take home. And so it's this hedonic treadmill of like, you need to get to 25 or 30 KMRR with employees to make the same amount of money as 10 KMRR alone. And most founders just like, screw that. Like they see that. Um, and then, then, and then God help you if you end up raising capital and there's a liquidation preference, you have to get out from under, right? Yeah. Or, you know, you hire full time people and then you don't grow. And now it's like you're stuck at 18 KMRR with two employees. And previously three months ago, you were murdering it, just doing it alone. So I think that's a big risk and I understand why founders don't want to take it. But with us, because we can get some economies of scale, having a shared team, a centralized team of developers, marketers, and so on, it's like not a big deal to tag on a business at 10K MRR. We can inject 3K worth of development and support and design and everything because everything kind of a la carte from our core team. Yeah. Okay. So fast forward today, what is it? You did this in 2015. So we're five years later. I assume you basically changed everything, right? Uh, what's kind of average price point today? It's, I assume it's not $4 still. <laughs> no. So we've experimented. We've raised prices a few times. I think two of those three price raises, we did it on Black Friday, uh, kind of to troll, uh, but also because we blow up on Black Friday. So Shopify has named us the number one Black Friday app. Our installs go through the roof. So raising prices makes a lot of sense. Uh, but over the years, we've attracted like down market and up market. So huge companies will use FOMO, but then really small mom and pops want to use it for their like mechanic business too. So our pricing now ranges. We have maybe 25, 30 plans from yep. $19 a month, which is our new starter plan. We launched that recently up to around $2,000 a month. And that would be a little more enterprisey, which is still very low for enterprise. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's all, it's all based on notification volume and notification volume is sort of a proxy for site traffic. Yep. So there, yeah. So you upsell based off notification volume. Uh, there's a big range there, 19 bucks a month up to 2000 bucks a month. Give me a sense. Someone paying 2000 bucks a month. How many notifications is that? Tens of millions. Okay. And you know, most page views are going to see one to five. So 30 million notifications a month doesn't, maybe that means you get 5 million page views a month. Yep. If you're an e-commerce store with 5 million page views a month, like you're, you're doing something right. Um, and it's, and it's worth it. Yep. The, the marginal increase in conversion percentage when they see the FOMO pop up is worth way more than the 2k per month. Oh yeah. And you know, we actually recently published, we kind of queried like top accounts by their sales volume because we allow them to connect GA. We show the click through conversions based on UTM params, blah, blah, blah. And there are sites that are, we, we anonymize all the screenshots, but you can check them out on our blog. There are sites that are paying like $79 and their click-through conversions are like 15 grand a month, right? Mm -hmm. So like the ROI for the right customer is, is tremendous. And Well, 15 I grand higher than without FOMO? So 15 grand click-through on FOMO notifications. Oh, got it. Yeah. 
So, and most of these kinds of customers, they run their own FOMO, no FOMO, A-B test during setup. And we have yep. clients to do that. Once you're live, it's hard to know, like, you can't A-B, as telepathy, yeah. you can't A-B test. Okay, so nine, uh, from four bucks a month now, 19 to two grand a month, over 30 plans, 800 customers back in 2015 when you bought it. How many customers today? 5,000, 5,500. Yeah, okay. there's a few hundred that are on a lifetime deal. So I don't know if you want to count those. Um, did you do that with AppSumo? Uh, long story, almost, we did it with a similar competitor to AppSumo. Well, you didn't want to give up 70% of the, you know, the revenue? <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I, I tweeted about it the other day, but yeah, we just couldn't. Uh, I think it's a terrible out. model, by the way. I think selling lifetime plans <laughs> in a SaaS business is potentially the dumbest thing you can do unless you're just totally broke and you're trying to fund some development. So I'll tell you why we did it. Two reasons. One, we had just launched an ad network, which was a totally new product. And we were giving all new users like $10 credit to spend in the ad network. But of course, to activate the credit, you have to add your credit card and we start rollover billing, just like Google ads. So the opportunity to give hundreds of people credits was really appealing. And the fact that we could get paid by people to give them a new product was appealing. And then secondly, uh, yeah, we wanted to raise money, not for development though. We wanted to go on like a crazy team retreat. So that's what we did. We rented a yacht. We raced in the Barcelona 50 um, in the Adriatic Sea. And we just kind of lived it up in Italy, Slovenia, Croatia. What'd that cost? How much? I don't know, 28 grand, something like that, which worth is not it. that bad. We're that's not a big team, but totally worth it. How many people are on the team today? Now there are, oh man, maybe only five full-time, three part-time. That's okay. on FOMO. On the 14, there's probably like 10 people total. Okay. Okay. Fork team 10. Got it. Um, we'll get to fork here in a second. Just wrapping up the story here on notify up to FOMO five full-time, three part-time. How many engineers? Everyone's an engineer. Okay. All five. Yeah. Even the designer, uh, he, he actually, we've worked with him a couple years and a few months ago he was like, by the way, I'm not a designer. I'm a front end engineer, but when you guys hire me, you said you want a designer. So that's why I do this. I was like, my brain exploded, but he's a great designer and engineer. I love that. Okay. And then give me a general sense here today on size, right? Minimum 5,000 folks at 20 bucks puts you at hundred grand a month, but you could be obviously way bigger than that. If you have a bunch of enterprise accounts, can you give us a range in terms of where you're at run rate wise? It's just below a hundred. Uh, okay. our best month we did 154. That was with the lifetime deal. Our best recurring only revenue month was like 111. Okay. And now we're between 90 and hundred. The reason for that simple math is we did have a lot of $15 customers uh, that we never upgraded uh, when we took it over and for the first several months. And we also do 30% off for annual plans. Okay. So quite okay. a discount. So 90,000, like last month, basically 90,000 just in re recurring revenue, ignore the ad network, everything else, just SaaS revenue. And what was that exactly a year ago? Let's see. I got it right here. On hide sales. A year ago, that was... Uh, a year ago that was 97 okay got it so so the, the that part of the business is basically flat but to, to declining the SaaS side yes so the revenue at fomo is has been flat for a while but our team was 12 people full-time yeah. at this time last so you're more, you're more profitable so profits yeah which i've decided that's just so much more important yeah um, yeah it is it is there's nothing wrong with that at all you're bootstrapped right the company hasn't raised money it's your own money Right. Correct. And, and the other thing is we're spending less time on it. So we've got half the team and even the team we have is spending like half their time on it because they're working on Forks, other portfolio projects. Yep. And so I think 
some of the dip is because we're, we are spreading ourselves a little thin, but the master plan, the method to the madness is that we're ultimately growing a much more special portfolio. If you add the entire fork portfolio together today, maybe look at last month, what percent of revenue does FOMO account for? Is it like less than 10 or percent or more like 50% or something else? It's... 67% or so, it's around two thirds. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So you're doing total your whole portfolio right now, somewhere called 160 top line, $160,000 a month in top line revenue. That's right, around one point, yeah, around 1.5, 1.6 a year. Yep, 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 that's good. And But again, what I love about this is you're optimizing for profit, so you can do things like fun team vacations in Chile or in the Adriatic Sea. Yeah, exactly, and trying to buy more companies, you know. So we, we launched this course, uh, because people kept asking us, but now this course has become its own portfolio project that makes seven, eight K a month. And we don't do anything, you know, like someone says, can you give me the spreadsheet template? That's our support. There's no bugs. There's no sales. There's no. And so uh, now courses are like becoming a part of our portfolio. We're going to do one on learning to code. We're, we've done one on like how to do an LBO model because people are yeah. trying to understand rap run run financing. So yeah, our, our, our thesis has kind of grown from like Shopify, B2B SaaS apps, which I love and I understand uh, completely. But now it's kind of like, well, info, uh, SaaS, sure. All of it's really, really interesting if you do it right with the right team. And so we're kind of going horizontal now and, and then all the rising, rising tide raises all ships kind of process. When my team looked at your Ahrefs account to see what kind of paid ads you are running, uh, you're running a lot against Proof, which makes a lot of sense. You're both in the same market. How do you think about those guys? So regarding our ads, kind of to troll, because uh, in the early days, Proof did a lot of IP infringement against us. So we've invested a lot in copyrights, trademarks. We have a pending patent. And Proof like copy-pasted our entire terms of service, word for word, word for word. And, you know, I've actually never said any of this publicly, which I don't mind talking about it. But yeah, so it's, it's kind of obnoxious that they don't have, they don't have integrity and character. And, uh, but otherwise, you know, I think it's just like the age of the cockroach. That's one of mm -hmm. our designs on our blog. It's this guy reading a newspaper and there's a unicorn and it's got a strike through. It's like F unicorns. It's the age of the cockroach. It's all about living and surviving. And I think because we don't have a board and we don't have people who can tell us what to do or regulate our salaries or whatever, unlike Proof, who does have all of that, we're just going to keep going. And because we have these other projects, we're going to keep fueling it. I think Proof's definitely cut into what could have been some of our market share, but they've also injected a lot of capital into educating the market about this type of technology. And that's been positive. So it's like, we've got a lot of Proof customers, ex-Proof customers. When we tried to find it the other way around, like disenfranchised FOMO people went to them, we didn't find it. And this was like by crawling thousands of websites who canceled and looking for script tags. We didn't. JavaScript. So, yeah, just looking at the JavaScript. And so I think it's a net good that proof exists, that any of our competitors exist. Uh, can't say it's not a little annoying. We were the first to market and the only in the market. And now there's like 35 of us. Um, so super proud of our team, product, positioning, et cetera. Uh, but, but definitely, I think we're reaching a point where it's like the competitor this landscape is growing a little faster than, than the addressable market is growing, which is, again, another good reason to hedge a bit and have this portfolio. I'm trying to think if I was in proof shoes early on and I was like, didn't have a lot of money, if I would have done the same thing and copied your terms of service and your EULA to save for my own legal fees. And Ryan, I couldn't tell you with a straight face that I wouldn't do exactly the same thing. Was there other, was there other things they did that was more disingenuous? Oh yeah. So actually I've, I've mentioned this once to someone 
I sent a, like an open public letter outlining several of the things they did that were infringing upon one or another of our bits of IP. Some of the other things they've done are like made advertised promotional videos with our customers in it mm-hmm. and then put tens of thousands on Facebook ads to promoting these videos. And if you watch the video, it's talking about proof, but in the video is our customers with our product. That's, I think, Got it. but regarding your point, like I appreciate you being honest that maybe you would have done the same thing, but also you're super smart and you know that you could just Google like free terms of service generator and you don't have to pay anything to get a That's good right. terms of service. Yeah. So it's actually like lazier and weirder and kind of more malicious to copy and paste ours than to just go to like the free WordPress.org yeah. open source. Edition. I'm going, I'm like, when my audience listens to this, they're all going to cringe because I guarantee you the majority of them copied their EULA from somebody else. Now they did do it from directly from a competitor. That's a different story, but they probably definitely used a template because no one wants to pay lawyers. Yeah, no one wants to pay lawyers. I mean, we paid lawyers, but I understand no one wants to pay lawyers and there's generators yeah. out there, you know. What'd you pay for FOMO.com, the URL? That's a hell of a domain name. Uh, Give I've me the story. publicly. I guess I could. I could say this. I could. This could be like our reveal. Our coming You're out right. party. Could be you on can podcast. come out. Do it now. Okay. Here's how much we paid for it. We paid one hundred and five thousand dollars. Okay. Which you I paid more for the you paid more for the domain name than you paid cash out of your pocket for the company. Uh, yeah. If you put it like that, yes. <laughs> which, which is a sign of spiritual growth. You know, okay. we we put our stake in the ground. Yeah. So we bought the domain. It was a long process as these kinds of deals often are. When we started FOMO in 2016, we bought usefomo.com. You know, we're looking at try, use, get, whatever, went with use, 10 bucks, and kind of just sat on the idea of owning FOMO because it had a very viable business on it. It was like a spray foam for construction workers company. Since the 90s, they'd owned the domain, a lot of authority for their keywords. But Nonetheless, every month or two, I would look them up on LinkedIn and I would go to their website and their press relations and see what's new and contact like different emails, IT at whatever, never got a reply ever. But again, I did this every month or two. So finally in the spring of 2018, I'm going to their site, business as usual, click, click, click. And I see that they've just been acquired by a PE fund. Like that's interesting. Another few weeks later, I go back and check in on, I think LinkedIn news and the PE fund made like the dumbest decision ever. They rebranded the company from FOMO, which is obviously a badass name, the most badass name. They rebranded it to like something, something interactive adhesives, something like that. ICP adhesives. It was like, okay, so are they going to get a new site? So I start guessing around like icpadhesives.com and I start going to these URLs and what does it do? It forwards to FOMO.com. So I'm like, okay, so they're probably in the process of forwarding these domains. So then I reach out to them again. I get connected to someone who handled their IT, like an outsourced firm. And they were very friendly and they definitely had their client in mind. They advocated for the client, not for me, but they were able to broker going back and forth and we got the deal done very quickly. We paid cash and then, um, you know, sent that, sent that guy a watch and some wine just to say a small thanks, but that's very cool. And what uh, what year was that? when did you buy it? I think we closed the deal in June or July, 2018. Okay. 2018. I love that. All right. I just realized uh, you and I could talk forever because we're of the same sort of blood. Uh, but real quick here, going over to fork for a second, are you plowing your own money back into this or did you actually go out and put a little fund together, raise from LPs, your friends, you're deploying capital from them, paying them back, things like that or no? 
we've done a few deals with sort of friends and family capital where it's like, hey, here's the deal we have. Do you want 10%, 20%, 30% and people have put in capital? That's sort of just for the fun of it. You know, I, I kind of like having a little bit of pressure and accountability and people that I need to send reports to and grow a company on behalf of. But otherwise, everything we've done has been with our own capital, through financing, through, you know, the leverage we have from existing revenue centers. Do you use debt you know, ever? Uh, we actually used debt to buy the FOMO.com domain. So we had the cash in the bank at the time, but uh, I wanted to hire some new employees. I hired a marketer, I hired a sales biz dev person, and I didn't want to, to blow it all on this .com. That was definitely just for vanity purposes. So we did a debt for like 10%, 105K, paid it off in 10 months, 12 months. Who gave like you that. the debt? I, uh, just some buddies. Yeah, so oh, I sent nice. an email like, so like Fork has sort of like a high net worth individual BCC list and every month or two when we have a deal or an opportunity, it could be for an acquisition, it could be for something like this, buying a domain. We just ping this list and say, hey, here's the opportunity, here's like what we want to propose as terms and people reply back, hey, I'm interested, I'm in. We've already vetted them before they get on this list and that's how we were able to get that done in like probably 24 hours. Last question, are you always a buy and hold or would you sell portfolio companies if the right offer came along? Happy to sell. Uh, we're very interested in for example, there's big exit opportunities with companies like Tiny Capital and their new subsidiary, WeCommerce, specifically for Shopify apps. But we're structuring them such that, you know, hopefully the revenues at least stay flat or go up and the costs go down. So I'm happy to hold forever. Can't really say we have a, a either or strategy right now. It's just make them as profitable as possible. That's going to secure the best valuation for an exit. It also makes it the most interesting type of lifestyle business to hold. Yeah. So for, for a notify app, you essentially paid something like one X of, of the EBITDA you generated from it over the first 12 months. If someone came and offered you the equivalent of whatever three X EBITDA margin, EBITDA margin is right now on FOMO, would you sell for that price all cash up front? Probably not because, uh, I think some of the, the capital we've expended that is now not in our EBITDA is just an asset transfer. So like, I think some of our IP has value. I think the FOMO.com domain has a lot more value than the 105 K we so yep. I, I think the right buyer uh, kind of would be willing to itemize to some degree. Here's the EBITDA. Here's the multiple on that. Here's your 50 trademarks and copyrights. And here's your domain. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And I think that's going to add at least another, you know, 1 million, whatever to the final valuation. Yeah. So, so if your mortal enemy proof came along and offered you 4 million bucks to buy the whole company, do, do, you, do you sell it or no? <sighs> Uh, maybe <laughs> if we got to throw their code in the trash and migrate all of their customers to our platform, but I would never work on another platform because the other ones aren't even close. So yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Uh, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, favorite business book. Innovator's dilemma. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? You can say none, by the way. No, there's none. Number three, uh, what's your favorite online tool for building your company or your portfolio of companies, really? Definitely Trello. Uh, we use it to manage everything, get everything done. Number four, how many hours of sleep you get every night? <laughs> uh, it varies from four to 10. I was about to say, last night, you told me you had tear gas in your eyes because you're down in Chile. I assume you got very little sleep with tear gas burning your eyeballs. Yeah, we're trying... We're trying to reset it earlier now because the curfew, the government curfew is 10 p.m. But typically I go to bed around 4 a.m. so that I'm in touch with my team around the world. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, la uh, and what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? Married uh, with no kids. And, and how old are you? 
I'm 29. 29. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? How to code. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, there you have it. Ryan Kopp started back in 2013 at a Techstars company, left in 2014 to join a YC company. 2015, went to New York City, launched an agency, then joined a company, a VC firm called GrowthX in 2015, found a cool app called NotifyApp.io, doing about 15 grand a month in revenue at the time. He basically bought it for 1x, uh, call it EBITDA multiple on the first year revenue, somewhere between 100,000 bucks and a million dollars, but only had to put in about three grand of his own cash to do it. The rest, again, paid for it over time, seller financing. from there, 2015 or 2020 now, the company is doing uh, caught 5,000 customers on the program, paying between 19 and two grand per month. Overall, the business is doing caught $90,000 a month in SaaS revenue purely. It's about flat. This one company makes about 60% of the total fork uh, team portfolio companies, which is essentially the entity Ryan has set up to buy other SaaS companies as he looks to scale and focus on something I love, profits. Ryan, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks for having me, Nitha.